All right, uh, our discussion for today is on the topic of loneliness. And uh, Kyle, can you kick us off for today? Yeah, you know, we're, we're in a, a season <clears throat> where we are uh, isolating ourselves. We are uh, in, in unprecedented ways living into a situation where we are not interacting with other people in the same way. Uh, and it seemed apropos in that space to, to wonder and discuss uh, what loneliness might play a part in our current experience. But the truth is, being an American, uh, loneliness is not, it was kind of already something that probably was a present part of, of many of our experiences of life uh, because we live in a society that is individualist. We live in a society, I believe it was one out of four Americans live alone and in cities like Chicago, that's even higher. Um, and so even outside of pandemic land, uh, the conversation of loneliness, which is often different than the conversation of isolation, but it is still something we thought would be worthwhile uh, jumping into here. So I'm curious, Vince, for you, uh, as we think about loneliness, we think about what the world we're living in here uh, and where we might be able to be helpful in a discussion here. I'm curious what, what hits you when I throw that topic at you. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I suppose immediately what comes to mind to me is moments when I have felt lonely um, in my life. So um, I, the, the first couple of things that come to mind for me when I think I thought about this this week were uh, my sophomore year of college when um, I, I had uh, roommates that uh, were I didn't get along with. Um, I was living far away from um, most of the, the friends that I actually like, wanted to spend time with. And I, uh, there was, it was a season of unrequited love for me, <laughs> crushing on someone who didn't crush on me back. And, uh, and yeah, I, just re I remember feeling really lonely. I remember kind of adopting a, like a sort of loner mentality. And this is, this is one thing I think about when I think of loneliness and maybe how this applies to some people's lives today who might be experiencing loneliness during the, the um, shelter in place reality. Uh, but I, I found that I, to some degree, like I, I wanted to agree with this like lonely, I, wanna, I wanted to adopt uh, a, being a loner as part of my identity. And it wasn't like, it, that wasn't like a healthy move. I think it was like a coping mechanism. It was like, okay, yeah, I will. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm cool with being alone. Like, cause that's how I roll, you know, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, go about my business and, you know, put my earbuds in and listen to the soundtrack from Born Identity because, you know, it's like he was alone, I'm alone. <laughs> and uh, I think, I, so I, I think of that. I think of that time in my life, and I, and I do think that um, that threat feels really true uh, for many. I think in in this time of like, what what if I just kind of adopt this as a part of my identity? Uh, does that make it feel better? Um, and to some degree, I think like there are certainly things that we can do and uh, hopefully we can talk about some of those things before we're done here this morning. But I learned in that season that like kind of making, fashioning my identity to include being a loner didn't work for me. Um, I guess the other, the other, the other thing that comes to mind for me is, um, is, uh, in, in, in many ways, um, leading this church and making some of the steps that we've made to be um, sort of unorthodox or a, a, a more along the progressive lines of theology or philosophy um, has been lonely in some times that we've had um, broken relationships with people who were um, 
not happy with the way that we've um, chosen to to lead our church. And so, um, in it being, it, it, and many people I think who are in positions maybe in in work or in in, in their community as leaders, being a leader can be lonely sometimes. And so, uh, so I've certainly experienced that to some degree. Um, yeah, I don't know, Kyle. Is is lo- has loneliness been a part of your experience? You, you know. So when this topic came up, I think when I talked to Vince about it, you know, this is a conversation that I always have some reservation diving into uh, in in kind of a uh, conversation in religious settings. And it's because I feel like this is one of those topics that it's really easy to fall into the land of trite, like being like, oh, you know, this is, this is a problem that we can solve or somehow like there's a, you know, particularly in religious settings, this idea of like, well, you're never alone. Jesus is always with you kind of thing. And leaving me with sentiments that actually uh, belittle my emotions around it rather than validate. And I think um, what's interesting is I've never gone through, I've never lived alone in my entire life. I've never gone through a period where I was alone. I went straight from moving out of my house to couch surfing, to living with roommates, to getting married. Um, but I think I realized that I have experienced moments of loneliness that I felt that I didn't have permission to feel. That there was almost a sense, I think, uh, for me, I think this is the, the confluence of both being an American and somebody who grew up in kind of an evangelical setting where we talk a lot about the joy of Christ and those things where loneliness felt like a, uh, a deficiency. To feel lonely was I'm experiencing a deficiency that I should overcome. And what I've come to realize, if if I realize that loneliness is is a human experience, it's actually not a deficiency, it's part of the human condition. And so what I, for me, I just realized that I was even telling myself, I don't know if I've ever really experienced loneliness before, because I've never lived alone. But the truth is, to be human, I think we all experience loneliness. This is this is true of us today, but this is also true of like, you know, Jesus expressing moments of loneliness. Uh, David, one of the pillars of faith, expressing moments of loneliness. Paul, like these, these heroes of, of faith being people where loneliness was a, uh, an accepted part of life, but yet recognizing the need for help in the midst of it. Yeah, I, um, I, I think of, I, li- I like what you said about how, um, loneliness is perceived as a deficiency. I think that's definitely true in religious settings, but I think it's probably true across the board in, um, in American settings. I certainly felt that growing up, uh, not being in a highly religious place. And, and I do, I, I still feel like that is true. Uh, no matter what like area of society we're swimming in, I'm remembering, um, the economist at one point, uh, there was a, uh, like a, a, a long, um, discussion of loneliness and how it relates to the, global economy things. And they, they had something that stood out to me. They said they called um, loneliness the leprosy of the 21st century. And I thought that was really interesting in terms of like, for, for people who are interested in following Jesus, is like Jesus is the one who, who bridged um, a social divide with lepers who were considered unclean and, and nobody would touch. And this idea of like, you know, Jesus meeting, if, if leprosy is our great, um, or if, uh, if, if loneliness is our, our great um, struggle, like le- uh, or, or our great stigma, like leprosy was, uh, Jesus is bridging that divide for us. And so I think about that. And um, I suppose, yeah, like in terms of how I have met God um, that didn't feel in a trite way uh, when I've been lonely, 
um, uh, because I do think you're right that that's a huge, huge danger here and a huge, um, uh, it's something that's probably lots of people have had, um, I can throw out examples of I've been hurt this way. Um, and, uh, and no doubt you, some of you on this call have felt that. Um, but what, yeah, one way that I felt like I have been met by God and not a trite way at all. Um, I guess the thing I think of is Psalm 42. Um, you were praying some Psalms for us, uh, last week, Kyle, and, um, and mentioning that in this time, like praying the Psalms has been a really useful spiritual practice. Um, because we're just kind of in unprecedented territory and we're not really sure how to pray our own selves. So like grabbing somebody else's prayers and making those words your own has been helpful. Uh, but Psalm 42 is a, a relatively well-known one. Um, it starts with, um, the, the, uh, the beginning of it is like day and night. Uh, my only food has been my tears. And it's just like, whoa, <laughs> like you talk about desperate and sad and in touch with the sadness and in touch with the loneliness. My only friend, my only food is my tears, you know? I mean, that, that's, that's loneliness. But then um, the Psalm, uh, it doesn't stay there forever. So I, I think that it has this helpful thing of like acknowledging where you're at. You don't have to hide it. It's not a stigma. You don't have to feel like you have to um, put on a face and pretend you're not lonely. But then what it moves to is uh, one of my favorite uh, prayers in, in the Psalms is, why so downcast, O my soul, put your hope in God. And this is like this, this, this uh, famous refrain has been put in songs a lot. Um, and I love that because it's um, the way it's phrased. It's like, it's like you're talking to your soul. And so I think about like what counselors would teach us about self-talk. Like you're, you're kind of like, you know, you're, you're, you're talking to yourself internally. And it's the idea that I need to talk to my soul. I need to speak to it. I need to gently speak to it. And I need to acknowledge that Oh my God, right now I feel like my tears are my only food, but why so downcast on my soul? Put your hope in God as if to say like, I can, I can fight adopting loneliness as my identity if I think back to my, my sophomore year of college. Um, so uh, yeah, so I, 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 that's something that comes to mind for me. You know, and I think about us, you know, in a minute, we're actually going to invite somebody else into this conversation, which we're very excited about. Um, but Part of the reason why in a minute we're inviting somebody else in is at the heart of what we wanted this church to be from the very beginning is a place where we uh, help people feel more connected. We help people <clears throat> feel less alone in a world that often make uh, kind of is conducive for feeling alone. But the truth is, I don't know if we've always been successful at that. I think when Vince and I look back at the history of this church, like what our ideal is versus what has actually been true, this is an area where I'm like, I think we still have some growth there. And I think one of the reasons that is true is being a church led by two white guys, uh, being, me being an extrovert, uh, me being, us both being married. Uh, I think they're all things that when we think about connection, we have blind spots. Um, and I think that we wanted to, you know, particularly identifying us as two men who have very similar uh, kind of starting points. We both grew up in the same town. And so we thought it would be appropriate for this conversation to make sure that we didn't just leave it with thoughts from Vincent Kyle, because this is, is something that I think is really important that we're getting a broader experience. And we would love to get all of your thoughts. Like, please join us in the chat to make sure we're not uh, missing things. Um, but we're really happy that we've actually invited Linda Kim, who's in here with us, uh, to join us in this conversation, just to help us make sure that the perspectives we're, we're bringing to the table just are coming from some more places. Um, and so, uh, hi Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, how are you doing today? 
I'm, I'm, I'm doing really well. Good morning, all. Um, thanks for inviting me into the conversation, and I'm really happy to be with you all today. Um, I just am curious when you hear us talking about this, you know, what are the things that first come to your mind when you think about loneliness or, or this whole conversation as, as we've kind of kicked it off? Yeah, um, I think to, it, I think a lot of things came up for me um, because when I think of loneliness, nothing like immediately came to mind. And then I really thought about this concept of loneliness, like emotionally, spiritually, physically, and how it can present itself in a lot of different ways. And I think for me, for my personal story, it's more tied into identity rather than like a specific series of events that I can pinpoint. Um, so to understand that better, I thought it would be helpful to give just a little background into my coming of age story, if you will. Um, so I just like threw some notes down there, but what I would, what I would start with is just that um, I am a daughter of immigrants and an only child which may not be surprising to some. Um, and my parents, who upon coming here from South Korea, went from these high status government jobs to hustling a lot of small jobs to eventually running their own small businesses and essentially working on average. So that's a lot. Uh, and consequently, I spent a lot of time by myself as a child. And I think this cultivated a fierce sense of independence in me but with that definitely came loneliness. Um, so my parents have this like model immigrant story, um, which a lot of people might be able to relate with. Uh, not that it didn't have many struggles that came with it, um, but you know, it was one with this like really positive trajectory with sleeves constantly being rolled up in a home that embodied this can do attitude. Um, we weren't really supposed to ever complain or share that we were anxious or depressed. Um, there wasn't anything like good old hard work couldn't cure, uh, which I think ultimately developed a very strong work ethic and optimism in me, but also really impacted my ability to be vulnerable or address negative feelings. So for much of my life, I've realized I've, I've been this really outgoing person. I'm an extrovert. Um, you know, I've been flanked with many friends. Much of my life has been spent with a partner. But I realize now that uh, most of the loneliness I felt growing up was trying to reconcile my identity, um, particular, particularly being a Korean American woman, which culturally at times can be very diametrically opposed to each other, um, and not really knowing how to be vulnerable to reach out to people and process difficult feelings, which I've like really intentionally worked on in my adult years. So just to give you some context of what came up for me when I think of loneliness and what that's looked like in my life. I would love to kind of um, bat around um, all of us. And, and Jen, if I can invite you in, I saw that there was a little bit of a discussion going on about introversion versus extroversion. And so we've got some really, I think, um, helpful distinctions between uh, the different like data points that have inserted themselves. So we have uh, Linda's experience um, in, and uh, loneliness being tied to identity as uh, the child of an immigrant family. We have Kyle's experience as an extroverted uh, white male. We have my experience, who I lean a little bit more toward introversion. Uh, what else are people bringing up in the chats, Jen, that you might uh, throw into this? Yeah, uh, got um, a lot of folks <laughs> talking about um, sort of the introvert experience, right? Um, so uh, Laura um, kind of spearheaded this. Um, 
you know, as an introvert, she feels um, like she enjoys being by herself. And it, it's a really thin line between being alone and being lonely. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which I like, man, I, that resonates, I, I think, with me a lot. Um, uh, Morgan, um, I love this, that being um, an introvert is somehow kind of trendy. It is kind of trendy, like, hmm. at least uh, in, in some Twitter circles uh, I run in. Um, but it often masks, um, you know, this common experience of loneliness and keeps people from connecting with others. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, Alicia said something um, that, you know, I think is so true. Um, she's felt more lonely surrounded by people um, than, than by herself. So it's like even you can be surrounded by all the people in the world, but that doesn't promise connection. So what is, uh, what is connection um, in the face of loneliness? And it doesn't mean just surrounding yourself with a ton of people. That's fascinating. And also, I wonder if it speaks to some of the, uh, some of the hope in, in our situation right now, where, um, so yes, we're, we're not surrounded by people. And maybe the reverse or the inverse of what we were just saying there can be true too. So being surrounded by people doesn't necessarily mean you're not lonely. Maybe, you know, not being surrounded by people doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be lonely. Um, and so, uh, I don't know, I'm curious, Linda and Kyle, and, and, and I would love to uh, throw out, are there any like, um, are there any takeaways or, or recommendations or, or other sort of like, I don't know, experiences that come to mind for you guys as we hear these things and we just think about the different, like everybody at the table here kind of has a different stake or a different um, background here. You know, one thing I think about here is how much of our, uh, experience of loneliness is tied to like our cultural assumptions of what that looks like and you know for me uh, kind of the task of being in my family was to one day be independent to then take care of myself and not have to look independent on my family and so there's a sense of of what does it look like to find familial connection uh, there's also the challenge of like we live in a society where connection is synonymous with romantic love like all other kinds of connection is somehow inferior to the connection you have with romance, which is a very cultural thing for us. And then I also think about as a man, uh, the, the navigation of what does it look like for me if beyond romantic love to find connection. And I think all of these things are really tied to the, the cultural expectations we come from. And I think maybe that loops me back just to say that I think finding loneliness, I think is often trying to figure, or combating loneliness is often something is initially found in acknowledging that feeling and recognizing those moments when it's true and, and then figuring out what does it look like to, to find some kind of connection and companionship. Um, but I'm curious, uh, Linda, for you as well, just how does any of that connect with you or speak to or, or even just the, the conversation around the kind of unique uh, things that speak towards the way that we perceive uh, overcoming uh, loneliness being tied to kind of some of our, our identity pieces. Yeah, I mean, um, I think those are really good questions you raise. And I think that, I mean, folks have already um, done a really nice job of speaking to this because I think in coping with loneliness, it's your ability to unpack what that looks like in your own life, right? So rather than it just being like a physical state of being, being with people or not being with people, maybe it is more of like an emotional, spiritual thing, right? Like we are headspaces with that. 
Um, and that's, I think, what it looked like largely in my life, where I've already, I've always lived with someone like you. I can definitely resonate with that. Um, and I've always been with people, right? Um, I think for me, it was more of like this ability and um, having the right tools to know how to really connect with people, asking for people when, when I needed help, you know, when, when times were difficult, feeling that kind of connection, feeling like you could be fed by people and truly affirmed and supported by them. Um, and a lot of that has to come from you, right? Because people, as they love us, they're not mind readers, right? So I think, I think that that's kind of what I'm thinking about. Um, as far as like what that looks like now, um, I think that, you know, this is a very difficult time, right? Like everything from rising deaths to people struggling in a lot of different ways. And we're all being kind of forced to live like we're terribly depressed. Um, but like, no matter what your life looks like, loneliness yes. is universal. Um, and I, yeah. And I've thought about like, while this pandemic may heighten many of our emotions, I also consider this to be a rare opportunity to be reflective still and discover things within ourselves. And I think it's important to do that with a kind and curious stance toward, toward ourselves, not to be judgmental, but rather more ref reflective and understanding. Um, so I think that's like a really good place to start. Yeah, I, I like that a lot, Linda, the using this time of uh, reflection as so, um, this may be um, related to feeling introverted, but I wonder if this is more, this is a different um, description of me. Um, but my, my internal world is a lot more important to me than my, my, my outer world. And so sometimes I get lost in my thoughts. I'm the kind of person who, uh, if I'm focused on something, um, trying to finish something, both, both Kezia and Kyle would tell you this, that if you're trying to get my attention while I'm like trying to write something, you're not going to get my attention because I'm just like wrapped in what's right in front of me. Um, uh, and, uh, and what's going on internally. That's just, um, what, what's important. But, um, sometimes actually like that, that doesn't actually mean that I am, I am more proficient at understanding what's going on inside me. It sometimes actually it might make me worse because I just, I'm, I, I spend so much time there that I never have any perspective. Um, and so a, a helpful thing that I've learned is, um, something called the six base emotions. Uh, and we, we use this in, in my men's group here uh, at, the, at the church, um, but it's, it's, a way to, um, it's a way to try to uh, figure out like what is going on inside me. Uh, and maybe I'll punch to one of our recommendations from last week uh, that came up in the, in the mental health buffet, uh, which is a mental health ally, like having some sort of like mental health accountability partner of just, you know, somebody who you can uh, share with. Uh, maybe that's like a, a really... A really useful takeaway for us the, these these two weeks put together just you know who is that person for you who's who's that who's that mental health ally for you uh if you can answer that question that's great and the idea is um uh, of the six base emotions is having a way to share with that with that ally of yours uh the six base emotions are mad sad glad fear shame and joy and i'll i'll put these or somebody maybe can put those in the uh, if you're on top of it you can put those in the uh in the chat mad sad glad fear shame joy uh and this was so helpful for me as somebody who doesn't always know what's going on inside of me and needs some help and so what i'll do is i will i will try each of those on for size i will say okay so i you know i have this sense that something's going on inside of me uh does it feel like mad um uh, 
maybe, you know, I'll take that off. Let me try on the next one. Does it feel like sad? The, the hardest ones obviously are the, the, the negative ones, the mad, sad, fear, and shame. Those are, those are the ones that are the hardest. Um, and, uh, and anyway, that, that has just been a useful thing for me um, as um, it, it, I think it has something to do with introversion, it has something to do with my internal world being more important than my outer world, uh, which is different from a lot of those who are, who are more social uh, and, and more like get energy from other people. Uh, and I wonder if that feels useful at a time like this when you have to take advantage of the time for connection you have with people. This can be a way to kind of get to the root of what's going on inside of you. Um, I find uh, uh, the, the person who taught me this, a friend of mine, um, to uh, explain that often we get lost in storytelling when we're trying to share with somebody vulnerably. Like we just end up like, oh, and then this happened and then this, and can you believe this person did this? And then this person did this. And then I said this and, and all of those can be really helpful for somebody to connect with you and understand what you're going through. But really the most important thing when you're trying to connect with another human being vulnerably, especially when we just, the time is so limited, like right now it has to be on zoom or whatever is to get to that emotional reality piece. What was I feeling? Uh, mad, sad, glad, fear, shame, joy. So that, that I would throw that out there as a takeaway here. When I hear you say that, it makes me think about something I read from um, a philosopher recently, which was saying um, the, the struggle we have in life is less um, being around people, but it's being seen by people. And I think that's when I think about loneliness for me, or when I think about loneliness, it is less about proximity to people. It is less about um, the ability to have lots of friends, but it's do I feel seen? Do I feel like somebody really sees me? And to me, this has certainly been a place in a non-trite way where Jesus has showed up for me and like an experience of like the Holy Spirit of like, oh, wow, I am immensely not alone right now because I am seen in how hard this is. I've experienced this certainly from my wife. I've experienced this from close male friends. I've been close, experienced this in, in different settings from different people, but the common denominator of like when I'm feeling lonely, what has helped me is some invitation that is actually received of like, don't be around me, don't listen to me, but like see me, see what's happening with me. I wonder if, if any of that resonates with, with you or, or any thoughts on just in this realm, Linda. Definitely, I, I would uh, come back. It certainly that. does for me. Please, Linda, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, it certainly does for me. I mean, I think that's like um, the most essential, um, you know, educational philosophy that drives all my teaching, that everyone wants to be seen and heard in some way and affirmed, you know, um, and that everyone has a voice in that. And so, so um, yeah, uh, and I think that for me, two things that I've really kind of like that that have helped ground me, like outside of like routines and practices, daily ones that just like bring sanity to my day. Um, outside of that, it's it's like these two things I hold on to. One would be what was mentioned last week. Um, it's really okay not to feel okay, right? Um, and like really, really accepting that and sitting with that. Um, and the other piece, just bringing it back to God, is when I feel myself like getting really anxious or spiraling or doing things like that, I really want to bring it back to him, um, just meditating with him, doing some devotionals. Um, a quote that I've thought about a lot, a, a Bible verse would be, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Um, and I, I, I realize that's much easier said than done. It serves as a really good reminder that, you know, mm -hmm. yes, I can worry. And yes, there's, there's so much 
credence in that, but at the same time, like there's also a time where I can just let it go and, and trust in him. And that is very freeing also. And so, and it's a practice. It's not something I can do at all times. It's something I remind myself of constantly. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that fear, reminding ourselves that um, the, um, that's, that's such a great um, scripture to return to um, if, it is, if it is serving as a reminder and a practice rather than as like a measuring stick to put yourself against. And that's just wonderful. And I just think that that is, that is, is helpful reading of, um, of, the, of the accounts we have in the Bible is using it as a reminder and a practice and, a, and, a, and, an, and an inspiration rather than as a measuring stick. That's when we get into troubling places. I mean, even, even Kyle, where you began us with in this conversation brings me back to the, I think it's probably the, the theological piece that we've been um, considering and turning over and looking at from all sides more than any other lately in our church, which is this idea of, uh, of Jesus, the, the, the one who knows loneliness, Jesus, the one who knows betrayal, Jesus, the one who knows suffering, Jesus, the one who knows hardship, and all of this, what is the unique thing about this God that we are uh, hopefully feeling helped by and, and trying to connect with and trying to feel magnetically draw us in? Well, this is the God that knows suffering. This is the God that understands these sorts of feelings. And so our task is not to perform. Our task is not to come with our Sunday best, but our task is to kind of, you know, search our hearts and recognize, oh my gosh, my, my only food is my tears. But then to not stay there and to truly look to that God to, to move us, to look to that God to, as though they, that he does have power to, to shift things in us. You know, why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God, you know? Um, and, I, and I do feel that if we can, if we can walk that balance of, of acknowledgement, of, of not falling into that, that, that crazy world where we're, where, where we're acting as though we have to put ourselves up against a measuring stick all the time, and instead recognize like, this is the personal God, the, the God who, who knows everything that we could possibly experience and certainly knows the confusion and the fear and the loneliness that we're all feeling right now in this unprecedented time and, uh, and can walk with us through it and is not, is not sort of looking down at us, you know, thumbing his nose and, and over, over the rim of his glasses, right? You know, he's, it's, it's a very different um, orientation we might place ourselves um, in with God. You know, I think the two two things that tangibly help me the most in this world is in terms of like that sense of longing for connection. One of them is a like personal meditative practices where I'm getting away and I'm often doing prayers. I'm often praying things of like, God help me see myself as you see me. Things like better about quieting my soul uh, and kind of, and mostly for me, it ends up dialing down the stress and anxiety that's kind of, consuming me in any given moment, which kind of gives me safe to breathe sometimes. But the second one is, and this, you know, I don't know if this is uniquely true of me as an extrovert, or this is just universally true. The thing that is mostly helpful to me is often when I have other people pray with me. There's something about inviting somebody else into those process. And, and most chiefly, not when that other person is just praying things towards me, but when they are helping me create space to listen, helping me create space to ask the questions of like, God, where are you in this? And there's something about having somebody else with me in that process that has really made a big difference, either through just the kinds of uh, 
prayer we do at the end of these Sunday services or things like a manual prayer or other things like that have really profoundly, I think, most uh, impacted me in experiencing more connection and feeling seen in a more substantial way. Well, we are going to start transitioning to a time of prayer, but Linda, any other uh, final thoughts or Kyle, any other final takeaways uh, before we invite uh, Rebecca to pray over us here? My final takeaway, I think I would just leave it at, um, simply put, just remember to be as kind as possible and to others um, because this is such a difficult time and if that means like reaching out more or giving someone space either can be very helpful and even an email or text can go a long way so yeah and you know we're all here for each other i think my my takeaway is to recognize that to experience loneliness is not a deficiency it's a part of the human condition and uh if you are experiencing it you are uh, experiencing the same thing the God of the universe experienced. You're experiencing the same things that uh, Martin Luther King experienced, the same things that um, uh, Paul experienced, the same kinds of things that Mother Teresa experienced, the same kinds of things that anybody who we would ever look up to to want to be has experienced. And that in that, uh, it is not a deficiency, but it is something to acknowledge and to try to find connection whether it's through something internally or reaching out to others. That's great, guys. And I suppose my final takeaway, um, I, th I think I would say, so if, if you're in a place right now where you're not currently feeling lonely or not currently feeling um, like uh, underwater um, in this uh, experience, uh, my encouragement would be that you've got to lead us because there are so many of us in this community and there are so many people in, in your orbit, you know, your friend or family or whatever circles um, who need you to lead at this time. Uh, so if you're somebody who is not feeling, um, you're not feeling underwater, you're not feeling especially lonely, then, you know, like J Linda saying, like, you know, it's the power of like a, a text that it takes one minute to send is unbelievable. Like you, you'd be surprised at how much can happen uh, through that. Somebody comes to your mind. What if you like, like, and, it, and it's unaccountable and you weren't thinking about that person. What if you suppose that that was God? And what if you just kind of listened to it and, and rolled with that and thought, okay, I'm just going to reach out to that person and see how they're doing. Uh, now more than ever, um, we need people to lead uh, so that, because right now there are so many of us who are struggling to feel uh, balanced in this time around the topic of connection. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so um, wonderful. This is great. Uh, awesome, awesome thoughts from everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Spider-Man, especially. I just really thought what Spider-Man brought to the conversation was really great. There he is. Uh, and uh, and we, um, we're, we're so grateful. Uh, Linda, thank you for joining us. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, another round of applause and your virtual applause. Um, and, uh, and let me pass it on to uh, Rebecca Jandron, who's going to pray for us as we just kind of let all of this sink into our spirits and affect us. So, let us be quiet together and, uh, and, and let Rebecca pray for us. Uh, hey everybody, I was meditating on loneliness this week and uh, the words that came to me were words from St. Patrick's Prayer. Uh, more specifically, the lyrics for the version that we most often sing, um, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ above me, and Christ below, Christ to my left, 
Christ to my right, Christ within both day and night. Um, and I just really, what I want to pray for us is that Jesus's presence will be felt, that we see you, Lord, in our everyday, that we see that you're with us in the hard times and the easy ones, when we feel alone and when we feel lonely, um, when we, uh, even when we feel alone with people, um, that you would be there, uh, that you would tell us that what we're feeling is valid and that we shouldn't have shame about it. Um, that basically all of these things, we would feel you. We would feel you through all of this, uh, through our worries and through our joys. Um, and that's what I'm praying for everybody today. And I also want to reach out and pray gratitude um, to all of the frontline workers who are still out there being essential and um, working really hard to get us all out of this, uh, which we appreciate very much. So I just wanted to thank you, Lord, for your presence, for being with us, and uh, ask that that continue, that we feel you in everything that we do.